are listening to a Called Collective podcast where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at thecalledcollective. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Coffee and Calling podcast with Dan and Griff. Griffin, how are we doing today, man? Oh, been better. Oh, what's is it? Is it the somebody a little sick? Somebody a little sick? Or I'm a little sick? I'm a little uh, sleepy. A little sleepy. Nice. I'm on that David Goggins rotation right now. <sighs> Not quite so intense, but you know who David Goggins is? I don't know who David Goggins is. It doesn't matter because. Our guest today, Eddie Shigley, is way more hardcore than David Goggins could ever, ever attempt to be. That is awesome. What do you say, Dan? Well, I'd like to say that standing before us right now is the legendary, the acclaimed icon of the STM department at Indiana Wesleyan, Dr. Reverend, Eddie Shig- Reverend, Reverend, okay, doctor, wait, doctor, Reverend, Reverend doctor, professor, coach. father, Coach of one of the best tennis teams in Indiana. <laughs> well, Eddie in McAllister's expert taster, hot chocolate enthusiast, Eddie Shigley. Appreciate the hot chocolate today. Yes, Thank you very much. No problem. How are you doing, sir? How are you feeling? Doing good. Excited about being on the show today. Yeah. Thanks a lot for inviting yeah. me. Appreciate no it. Problem. Well, for anybody uh, that doesn't know you, um, and is listening. Uh, can you just give us a uh, run through of like who you are and what you're doing right now? Tell us life. about your mini hats. Oh, wow. Your okay. Hats. So, uh, my title here at Indiana West, Univers- Indiana West University is I am the director of the Kern Ministry Program. And that is our uh, five year program that allows students to get an undergraduate degree and a master's degree in five years. So that's part of what I do. Mm-hmm. I am the head coach for men's and women's tennis, which is a boatload of fun. Mm-hmm. And then um, I get to coach, uh, personal coach, like life coach with some of our graduates. So yeah. I love staying in touch with our grads um, that have graduated from a master's program. And as they are now in churches, I get to continue to connect with them and coach awesome. them as they are doing life and doing ministry. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah. When we, um, anybody that listens, I'm sure you've heard of us talk about this current program and we've explained it before. Um, Dr. Shigley is, um, kind of our head hot show for that over here. And me and Griffin have had the awesome pleasure of him leading us the last few years. And I'd say you've been a life coach for many of us, even though we haven't graduated yet. Thank you, Dan. Especially, you know, Getting me scheduled and graduated <laughs> many True. times, many times. True. So one thing that we really like to ask on the podcast to start out with um, just one question. We don't tell our guests about this question, um, but we would like to know if you could have, um, I guess, hot chocolate because Dr. Shigley does not drink coffee. We still Strange love him. Bird. Hot chocolate. Hot, hot chocolate. If you could have hot chocolate. Or McAllister's tea. Or McAllister's tea mm. with one person in the Bible other than Jesus, who would it be? Wow. That is a really good question. 
You know, I think uh, I would like to have either McAllister sweet tea or hot chocolate with, I think, I think with Joseph, like he fascinates me mm. big time, you know, going from uh, the blessed one, the mm-hmm. blessed child, the chosen child to, you know, being a slave, to going to prison, to being second command in the, like the, the, of Egypt, like we're talking about the dominating uh, country of the day. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like the vice president of the United States today, that type of thing. And, you know, and he was serving God in a really, really cool way. So I, I would love to love to have a little sweet tea with Joseph. You know what the, the worst thing about that story I always think about? His brothers really <laughs> sold took, him. Not, not just sold him. Took his coat and put blood over it, and then handed who do you who to their dad to their dad? Uh, I and guess he was devoured by said, the wild dad, animals. We found Joseph's Gucci jacket out in the wild. He got mauled <laughs> by a just, bear. They just sit there. He like, must be dead. Versace. And they're just to watch your dad cry for days, <laughs> cry for, for days, and then act days. natural and mourn. Yeah, yeah. Joseph was um. <laughs> yeah, it's real sad about him, you know. Somebody comes, let's It'll just be people, people in that like tribe and everything. They're just like, "Hey, sorry to sorry to hear about your loss yeah. and everything." Yeah, it's real. It's been real tough on the brothers. And <laughs> yeah. then, and then, but on the way outside the tent, they're giving each other high fives. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. Good one, good one. And then I just always think about when they go to the, they go to Egypt, and then when they finally find out it's Joseph, and he's like, "It's me," and they're just like. Oh God, I'm dead. Oh, I'm literally, dead. we're dead. You think is... he was like jacked? Like that Egyptian diet just had him yoked out of his mind? <laughs> probably. That's probably why. Pot- that's probably why Potiphar's wife wanted him so bad. Oh He's goodness! So many just, so many just like situations happened to him that are like I'm sure he's sitting there like no, you it's, know it's it's it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And it, talk about the journey, and yeah. you know, even if you believe that God has this purpose for you. Do you believe it when you're a slave? Come, mm, yeah, Do you believe come it on. when you're rotting in prison, in jail? You know, you're like, oh, okay, God, is this what I get for serving you? I mean, yeah. how, did, did he did he complain? Did he, like, was he angry towards God? Did he question God, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, wow, what a incredible, like, strength of character to endure that. It made me think of uh, Kaladin. <laughs> yes. For those of you who don't know... Uh, it's a Brandon Sanderson character by the name of Kaladin. Look it up. Read the books. It's Please. good. Have you ever had a moment like that in ministry where it seems like mm. you you are at a place where it's like, how is it true that I'm supposed to do all these things when this is happening in mm-hmm. my life right now? Yeah, I was in a, I mean, I won't take up a whole lot of time, but I was in a situation where, um, you know, I was, if you want to call it outcast, um, even, even, um, blackballed by some people who tried to like, you know, put me into the desert or into the wilderness, if you will, or into a, uh, a, not a literal prison, but a ministry prison. Mm. Um, so th- th- there was, there was that kind of loneliness, uh, and, and what was the hardest part about that? season of life is there's people who like know you and know your character, but they believed the other person because the other person had positional authority. Oh, 
And so that that's that's hurtful. That's hurtful in a season of life where you go, man, you know better. You know mm-hmm. me. You know my character. You know I would not do that or say that. But they bought into lies uh, because why would that person lie? You know, they're in a positional authority and and hook, line, and sinker. And it, it all didn't come out till like 10, 12 years later. Wow. That yeah. They lied. It was revealed that um, it, was a, it was a string of lies and um, I was sitting in the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're sitting actually in this like almost this ministerial desert waiting upon God. It's almost like... Um, like like Joseph being in a prison, hoping that God still has use for you, but not knowing if you will be used by God, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or in what way, yeah, yeah. or will I, will I, or is my ministry going to be out in the wilderness with a few people here and there? Speaking of uh, ministry, can you tell us? I guess we'll we're kind of jumping to the main thrust of what we're trying to do with the podcast, but right. can you tell us about your call to ministry, um, how you navigated those tough waters, who was influential in your life when you were trying to figure out your call? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a long story and I think everybody has a unique story of their call, yeah. which is so cool. I, I love hearing people's stories of their calling and, and not just their calling, their salvation story or their salvation experience, yeah. which is awesome. Um, so I was a I was a student here at Indiana West University, and I really believe that I was on the track. My my passions um, a little bit inbred by my parents because um, they were professors here at, at Indiana Wesleyan. I thought I was going to teach and coach. I thought that was going to be my track was teaching coach, and 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 a goal that I had was to to get to get a PhD by the time I was thirty and be on that kind of fast track mm-hmm. and eventually come back and teach on at a Christian college um, and have, I just love college students as a college student. I love college students. I love that, that time frame in which young adults are, they're, they're in a season of life where they're growing so much. Mm-hmm. They're maturing so much. They're on yeah. their own for the first time. They're adulting. They're making their faith their own. They're exploding uh, intellectually. They're exploding emotionally and mentally. They're exploding spiritually. And I thought, man, this is a fun age group to mm-hmm. kind of be a part of. So I thought that was my trajectory. Ministry was not on my radar. Uh, I took some ministry classes for the fun of it. So I I got into homiletics class, <laughs> right? Because I thought, hey, you know, if I'm going to teach or whatever, that, that will help me in my communication skills. And that will be kind of fun. I got into like a couple of theology classes again for the fun of it. And so some of the profs here in the School of Theology and Ministry, um, you know, they're listening to me preach. They're reading some of my papers. And I can remember even several of them, you know, coming to my dorm room or coming over to my house or stopping me after class and asking me the question, Eddie, are you sure you're not called to ministry? Hmm. Like it, it appears to us you have the ministry gifts or ministry skills. Are you sure you're not called? And kind of questioning that. And I say, like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I brushed it aside. I, yeah, no, no. Uh, no. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to teach and coach. I'm going to teach and coach. You know, I'll probably be some high school teacher and I'm going to coach some sport, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and that's what I'm going to do for a probably long season of life and eventually maybe be a teacher on the collegiate level. And, uh, and, and I stuck to that story. Right. And, and um, because I changed my major about three times, four times in college, I was on that five-year plan. Right. Yeah. 
So I'm on this five-year plan on this trajectory, and I just finished my first senior year. Okay. Okay. My first senior year, and I actually only had one more semester left, and that was my student teaching. And my home church, which is College Church right here on campus, um, they asked me if I would like do a college Bible study during the summer. Hey, will you lead a college Bible study and do some events and some social life kinds of stuff, some activities for college students during the summer? And I'm like, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Because I'm still a college student and I would love to get paid. They gave me a stipend every week, get paid to kind of hang out with people and lead a Bible study. And so I was working at a factory, this Hearts and Kennedy factory during the summer. And I worked at uh, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then this donut shop was open late at night. And at 10 p.m., I swing by this donut shop and pick up like, you know, five, six, eight dozen donuts and bring them over to the church where we had like, there's a little chapel in this church. Mm-hmm. And we'd, we'd have donuts and and juice and milk and fellowship and do a Bible study from like 1030 to 1130 at night and then go on campus and play like sand volleyball, <laughs> you know, or something like that till one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the epitome of a college life during the summer. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. It was fun. We're doing trips to amusement parks, to Cedar Point or Kings Island and doing like sand volleyball and, and, you know, uh, doing just s- stupid fun activities and, you know, from putt-putt to bowling to ultimate Frisbee to whatever. And you, the, the one thing that's consistent was this Bible study every Wednesday night from 1030 at night to 1130 at night on a Wednesday. Wow. And then um, I did this for a month during May term. Mm-hmm. And um, and then right at the end of May term or at the beginning of June, uh, the senior pastor called me in and he said, hey, listen, our youth pastor just left and it was unexpected. Mm-hmm. And uh, would you consider... Uh, you know, dropping your factory job and we'll pay you full time for the summer. So the rest of June, July, and August, because we have no leadership with the youth group. Yeah. And and we'll pay you full time. Uh, would you consider that? Because it'll buy us time to accept applications, resumes, and interview people. And I says, as long as you know that at the end of the summer, starting in September, I'm doing my student teaching and I'm out of here. Let's make that our deadline. And so let's make, you know, like the middle of August or the end of August, our deadline. He's like, cool, that'd be great. And I can remember as a, as a teenager, as a student, I remember those days when I didn't have a youth pastor, yeah. that in between days. And, 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 and one time it lasted the entire year and, it, you know, you just didn't have purpose and the youth group disintegrated and there, 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 there wasn't that weekly, like, um, it's spiritual instruction and, and we didn't have any activities. And so you lost your social life. And I was like, bro, I, yeah, I'd love to step in. Cause I know what that feels like. What I didn't know is the youth group went from in the six, six months previously, um, youth pastor was only there six months and the youth group went from an average attendance of about 85 to 20 overnight. Yeah. Okay. And that's six months. Well, I mean, I'm 22 years old and I know all these kids. Like I, this is my home church. I know all these kids. So when they announced, you know, he, I'm taking over for the summer and I just started making phone calls to these kids. Hey, hey, let's go. Like, hey, we're, we're meeting every Wednesday night. Let's go. And it, they, everybody just came back. 
And so we went from 20 to 85, literally overnight. The next week, we went back to 85. And we even grew some during the summer. And I was loving it, man. I'm, I'm having a blast. This is amazing. This is great. You know, you're doing your Wednesday night service and your worship times, and you're organizing that, and you're preaching. And I'm like, wow, man, that's, that sure was awesome that, that, uh, that, uh, uh, that I took that homiletics class. That, 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 that's paying off really well for this season of three months. Yeah. Well, I'm in this season. Well, let's back it up a few months. The summer before my junior and senior year, I was on a ministry team for IWU, right? And Dan, you've done ministry teams, and it's a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. All summer, you're going to camps, and, and, and you know, you have three or four other college students with you, and you're going from camp to camp to camp to camp, and you're a counselor, and you're doing recreation. We, we were a recreational team, so we're, we're counseling in the dorms and in the cabins, and we're doing recreation during the day, and you're seeing life change and transformation, and, and kids are coming to Christ, and it's an amazing experience. And it was, it was, it was just phenomenal. It was the best summer of my life when I look back on my college days, right? Incredible. Well, what I didn't know is that I had set a record for the most number of applications for any of our ministry teams was our ministry team. And I didn't know that. So when it came to signing up again, they brought me in and this was like in, you know, like February and said, hey, we want you to do this again. So well, let me pray about it because this is this was the greatest summer of my life last summer. So I prayed about it. I came back and says, I don't, this doesn't make sense, but I just don't think I'm supposed to do it. I just don't, I don't know why but I don't think I'm supposed to do that. I don't know what I'm going to do. So they came back in April before the end of the school year and they said, name your price. Like, we'll pay you whatever. Like, we want you to lead one of these teams and you name your price. And I said, this is really flattering. This is awesome. Thank you so much. But I just don't think I'm supposed to do this. And I don't know why. Mm. Okay. And so you talk about you talk about May term, month of May, Yes, I'm leading this college group and this college Bible study, but I'm working at a factory. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why am I working at this factory? I could be going from camp to camp to camp and loving this ministry experience and growing in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys know what that is at camp. Think about that camp high, but that camp high goes from one camp to the next camp to the next camp to the next camp. So I am growing personally mm-hmm. and maturing in my own faith. And I, I'm, I'm going, why am I doing this? So when they said, hey, will you take over the entire youth group? I was like, yeah, sure. It gives me more purpose, more meaning. But come end of August, I'm done, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and this is how God's work. I call, I call this my back door into ministry mm-hmm. because even at this point, this is not my intention to go into ministry. This was a summer job and I'm having a blast, yeah. right? So it gets down in the summer and the senior pastor says, hey, guess what? We have found our person um, we have hired them. Uh, they're going to be here next Sunday night. We're going to have like all our adult volunteers and our student leadership, you know, kind of like a dessert reception for them Sunday night. This is when they still had Sunday night church. You remember those days, guys? Yeah. Oh, so, you know, Sunday night at the church, we're going to do this dessert reception. And do you want to come and meet this person? I'm like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. This is perfect timing. I start my student teaching in like a week, two weeks, something like that. But this is perfect. Great. So I walk into this, you know, this old fellowship hall, you know, and there's a bunch of desserts there and there's a bunch of people, all these adult volunteers and student leadership. And I'm looking around, pastoral staff, and I'm looking around and I know everybody. Like, hey, what time is this, this person arriving? Like, like who, who is it? And the senior pastor looks at me and smiles that like, 
you know, that sly grin, you know, like uh, he knows a secret that I don't know. Right. I see that going, and, yeah. and he, and he just kind of gestures to me and he says, it's you. And there was this pause and it seemed like an eternity, right? Cause I, it's like, it's sinking in. I mean, I, I must've had that like deer in headlights, this fog in his glaze, this fog in my look at my face. And I literally went, whoa, after it finally sunk in, whoa, 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 whoa. That was not part of the deal. Like I'm out in two weeks, I'm doing my student teaching. And this is where the adult leader stepped in and said, Eddie, we think you're really gifted at this. We think this is what you're supposed to be doing. We don't want you to stop pursuing your student teaching. Go do your student teaching and we'll help cover for you in this next semester. Like we'll step up to the plate and help you in a larger role than we've been doing in the past. Like yeah. We just believe you are God's person for this job at this time. What do you say to that? Yeah. You know? And I was like, <sighs> yeah, I was not excited. I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, let's try it. But it's only for a semester. You know, it's only when I get my, when I'm done with my student teaching. And they're like, listen, like 90% of our high school group goes to Marion High School. You're doing your student teaching at Marion High School. You're going to see the kids every day. And I did. A bunch of them were in my classes. I saw them in the hallways. Of course, they'd run by my room. They would buy me something for lunch or I would give them money to buy me something for lunch or, you know, hey, let's go out for lunch. I mean, and it was kind of a hand in glove kind of a thing yeah. and from the standpoint of I saw them a lot. Um, and the ministry was growing. You know, we're not at 85 now. We're at 100. Um, kids are getting saved. Um you know, we started this intense discipleship stuff, you know, and I was having a blast. Wow. And so done with student teaching and decision, crossroads again, decision, what do you do? And I sat there and said, I can't imagine doing anything else. Mm. And so I call that my back door into ministry. And I've been doing ministry kinds of things ever since, you know, nine years as a youth pastor, a year as a missionary, um, uh, like f five years as a small groups, sports ministry, discipleship pastor, six years in camping ministry. And now we're at um, eight, five, thir 13 years in a college setting with very intense kinds of ministry. And then add on six years of doing my own ministry, which was like a speaking, consulting, coaching ministry to the church, specifically to the church. Wow. And, uh, and so you, you, that's I, really everything I've done has been in a ministry context. And now I am in a context at a Christian university where I am teaching and coaching, yeah. but it was a circuitous route and 30 years later kind of a thing on the journey. Now you're here. Now, the cool part about the story too, and this is all part of the calling, is remember I said no to that ministry team, right? And I said no to the ministry team and unbeknownst to me, I was saying yes, right? I was saying yes to God and this ministry opportunity that I had no idea was going to happen, which ended up being my back door and calling into ministry. Wow. But also that summer, um, uh, this incredible girl that we were really good friends for a year. We're good friends, but didn't have really any intentions of dating that summer. 
we started dating, right? I wouldn't have been around. Yeah. I would have been gone. That summer we started dating. And uh, two weeks after we started dating, it was when the senior pastor said, hey, we want you to do this full time uh, and take over the youth group. And I can remember talking to Esther and going, hey, you know, she was she was working at the daycare at the church. And the kids were, little kids were taking nap. And I took a little break from the church because I was still doing the college ministry during the day. And we were sitting on the floor in the hallway. And I was like, hey, what do you think? And her answer to me was, hey, let's pray about this. And whatever God leads you, I support you. We're only two, we've been dating two weeks, you know. Inside, she was going, I don't want to marry a pastor. <laughs> you know, it's the last thing I want to do is marry a pastor. Well, we, end, I mean, this ends up being my, my wife, yeah. right? Wow. And so it ended up like she grew into that ministry calling as well. Mm-hmm. Like she never she dreamed of being a pastor's wife, if you will. And if she was on this podcast with us, she, she would probably say the same thing. Like, I can't imagine us doing anything else. Wow. Like every job and ministry opportunity we've had, I have said to myself many, 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 many times, I can't believe they pay me to do this. Like, this is amazing. This is incredible. Um, and that's been a few days in each of those ministry jobs where I've said, God, if this is ministry, you can take it and shove it, you know, where the sun doesn't shine. But, but those were very few days and the majority of days are, I can't believe they actually pay me to do this. Don't tell Dr. Wright. I can't believe they pay me to do what I'm doing right now. It's like incredible. I think that's cool. Like uh, God can give you kind of what you want, but the way you get there, yeah, it might not always look the way you think it's going to look. I think that's cool. Like you were planning on, you said doctorate by 30 and then teach at a collegiate level coach, but the path to get there was much different than you anticipated. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, you don't regret it at all. And I'm, it's just like, it's exciting being young and like being right the, like right at the part before that happens. Yep. And like, just like, Oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> kind of well, scary, and, and, but it's, it's and, and instead, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a doctorate after we have seven kids Yeah. and it's just a tough road. Yeah. And I'm way beyond my prime, you know, <laughs> way beyond my prime intellectually. I don't think I ever got to my prime intellectually. <laughs> so, uh, it's, you know, I'm 47 and not 30, but 47 when I completed the doctorate and 48 when I started teaching here at IWU. That's not the journey that so I cool. had planned out. But, but I think, I think the biggest thing that I try to tell, like, you know, young students and people who are just passionately following Jesus and trying to figure that out mm-hmm. because in college, it's all like, Oh God, you know, tell me, show me what your will is. And I'll do it. Like, I'll do it. Just show me, you know, I think a couple of things along that line is, bro, it's a journey. Yeah, it, it, it is. Every aspect of it is this journey and if we knew, like, way in advance, uh-huh. we might, like, oh, I'm going to opt out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? And and in that journey, God changes you, transforms you, and he changes your desires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? To meet his or match his. Okay? And, 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 and in that process, he's maturing you and growing you to get you to the point of that next thing he wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And we can't see, like too many, you know, years down the road, uh, one, that'd be way too easy. And yeah. secondly, it wouldn't send us to our knees. Mm-hmm. Like part of the journey of the unknown is 
sending us to our knees. And so, you know, the, the beauty of every time we come to a crossroads of God, what should I do? Should I stay in this current job or should I move into a different opportunity? It once again sends you to your knees to say, God, show me. And, and sometimes it's a prolonged time you're on your knees. And sometimes we wish that, wow, we could live that way every day. Right. Um, but I think, yes, we are in this, like the scripture talks about, you know, praying without ceasing. And we do that as pastors and as ministers, but there sometimes is a, is, is it, the intensity of it changes as you go through different crisis or tragic things in your life or other people's lives that you lean into their life. Mm. And, and that's the beauty of the journey. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that the, the other thing is, uh, I mean, I really, 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 really believe this. And that is the best place to be geographically is where God places you. And the best thing to do is what he's asking you to do. It just doesn't matter what that job description is or what that job title is. If God has asked you to step into that for a season of life, whatever that season is, that brings contentment. It brings yeah. peace. It brings joy. It brings like this sense of excitement. Um, and, and, and you, you learn to lean into, to the heart of God and to the, the, you know, when, when Galatians talks about the importance of as a believer to keep in step with the spirit, mm -hmm. it keeps us in step with the spirit and just don't get ahead of the spirit. Let's don't get behind the spirit. Let's keep in step with the spirit as he leads us and guides us and directs us. Yeah. It is so challenging in, I've been thinking on this recently, a lot of what you just said about how God will reveal to us things that he wants us to do in this life. But most of the time he never gives us a timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we make the timeline like this is going to happen at this point in this time. And the one thing I, you know, and this is advice for any, anybody listening, but you really have to make peace with the fact that it's all on God's timing mm -hmm. and you just need to be open and willing. And I think that is what you represent. And another thing that we were talking to Paula a few weeks ago on the podcast and we had talked about in Deuteronomy where God says, don't, before they're going into the promised land and they release the church, like I will go before you. Mm -hmm. um, and how God is in this realm. God is everywhere always. And just that peace, I don't think we always realize that we can have is that there's so many possibilities of what I could walk into, mm -hmm. but I'm walking into somewhere where God has already been. Like I'm not walking on unknown ground when it comes to the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. um, and all the, it, and it doesn't take away and to neglect the fact that we might be scared. But I think that piece of knowing that this is where God wants you and something I'm an eternal optimist. So this always gives me optimistic is that, yeah, this might be hard, but imagine how I'd feel if I wasn't doing this. Mm -hmm. Imagine how I'd feel if I just chose the comfortable route. Um, I once had to make a really hard decision that made me really uncomfortable. Um, and I had a dream once that I, I did make this decision. And it, it really was transformational in my life. But I had a dream that I didn't make the decision. And I remember in the dream, I had felt this despair. 
I had felt like I, I sat there and I remember, um, just in this dream feeling like I felt this despair of like knowing that the Lord had told me to do something and I chose not to do it. And it was almost like I could feel my life on this track that it wasn't supposed to be on. And, um, I just think with your story, it's like, it's this beautiful thing of like the curveballs come, everything comes at you, but sometimes we can't anticipate. We just need to participate. And that is, that, that is beautiful. And my question going into that for you is that we are navigating so much as ministry students when it comes to our families or even future spouses. Um, what would be something you could say is in those curveballs in life, in those things that you don't expect, how can you honor the people that are closest to you around you? Um, like people that might be future spouses or future family members, you might have to move far away from your family. How can you still boldly go into what God has called you to do, but not in such a way to where you almost burn a bridge? Yeah. 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 So um, I think we, we have to always like, um, hold things loosely, mm. right? Um, and what we hold loosely, and I think this is part of what Jesus was saying when he said you have to hate, and it's such strong language that it rankles us or confuses us when we read this in scripture, but you have to hate your mother, your father, your brother or sister to come and be my disciple, mm. right? And so it, I, the way I take that passage of scripture is we have to hold all of this very loosely in our hands, yeah. whatever that is. It's relationships, um, it's, it's, um, uh, ge- some type of geography, it's our home, it's, it's our friendships, it's our whatever. And, um, obviously when it's your immediate family, your spouse yeah. and your kids, you, you are definitely weighing into that. you you, they are part of the decision, but when it comes to extended family and friendships and your home or or uh, some type of geography, they're like, I can't imagine not being, you know, living here because this is where I grew up or whatever the case might be. I think that we have to hold all those things, material possessions. We have to hold all those things very loosely. Like Corey, Corey Tim Boone said, I've learned to not hold on, to grip on, to hold on to things so tightly because it hurts too bad when God pries my fingers away from whatever that is, right? And so, yeah, we, you know, part of like when you come to a crossroads and you're trying to make a decision, a life decision, we lean into God speaks through what he speaks through his word. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Yep. He speaks to us through people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the sages in our life, if you will, the mentors in our life, the, the pastors in our life, the parents in our life. And we have to weigh all that. Yeah. Right. We have to weigh the Holy Spirit. We have to weigh in the, the God's word. We have to weigh in the sages of our life, the mentors in our life. We have to weigh in our spouse. We have to weigh in our kids. That's all part of the decision. And here's where I, I, I think God sometimes clearly directs us down a path mm-hmm. and, and that we have to be obedient. Like even when, even when everybody else around us says, don't. You know, one of the decisions we were making was uh, to go out to Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And should we do that or not do that? And I leaned into the sages of my life or the mentors in my life. And, and if I'd name those people, which I won't, but, but in the Wesleyan church, everybody would know these people. Like everybody would. I mean, they were incredible mentors in my life and they are 
men and women of God that I highly regard and respect. And every one of them said, don't go there. They are the graveyard of youth pastors. Hmm. What they didn't know is that the way God has wired me was, oh, oh, I time to go. It's I, I, it's time to go. You said graveyard. Yeah, time to get time them to turn you, into gardens. Time yes, to prove you, <laughs> you know that that God spoke into me the exact opposite because of how He created me wow. and my DNA. And so they were telling me, don't go. It's the graveyard of youth pastors. And God was speaking to me because of how he created me and my DNA was, oh, I like a challenge. Mm. Like that sounds like that can only be accomplished with God. And I love places so like that. Good. Right. So we ended up going there. And for the first two years, it was like death. It was, you know, I describe it as a hell on earth. It was obviously wasn't that bad, but we stuck it out. And then God broke broke through, heaven broke through into the lives of these kids. And it was, wow, they were storming the gates of hell. And it was an amazing amount of fruit. And I thought, if I hadn't gone here, I would have never experienced this. And if I'd yeah. given up in the first two years, I would have never experienced this fruit. There's no wow. way. So part of it is, you know, when you're discerning these kinds of things that God is, you're at a crossroads, you're discerning when is the time to stay? And when is it time to leave, right? And sometimes we go, there is a direct path. We sense that from God and we have to be obedient to follow it. No matter how tough it is, Dieter Bonhoeffer said that the we don't know if you're, if we're on the road of discipleship, we don't know where that road is going to take us. Like that road can mean sorrow and hurt and pain. And it could mean like trouble, the bridge of troubled waters and some really, really rough times. But he goes on to say, the road to discipleship is always joy. Wow. It's like, what? Like, it's always joy. So when we know that there's this direct path that God is like, I got to obey, it'd be disobedient. And I've come to those crossroads before where God has clearly shown me a path and I have to take that path, mm -hmm. even when it defies reason. Yeah. Okay. But there's other times he shows us something and he says, there are multiple paths and I'm in them all. Choose. Choose. Here's an opportunity here. Here's an opportunity here. Here's an opportunity here. Stay is a great opportunity. Like, choose. Eddie, you choose. I'm in this. I'm with you. Like, we don't have to see this like narrow, narrow road. You know, if this is the only thing in order to follow God. And if I mess this up, I don't, man, alive. we put so much pressure sometimes on ourselves in those decisions. Man, if I mess this up, what, what, if I don't hear from God clearly, like I've totally screwed things up. It's over. It's over. It's over. The whole, yeah. whole, whole thing's gone. God, God will never use me ever shebang. again. Forsaken. Yeah. <laughs> you are forsaken. You're, get out of here. And I just don't think. God works that way. No. Now, I think there's times when there's a direct, clear path. And I think there's other times where God says, choose, I'm in this. Mm -hmm. I, I'll, I'll bless. Yeah. I'll be with you. It wasn't over for Peter. Yeah. Literally just yeah. right in front of he wasn't Jesus' his face said, yeah. I don't know him. Yeah. And then next time, hey, will you lead my church? Yeah. It's, it's powerful. That's that redemptive, even in the midst of, I think that's, Dan, I think you bring up a great point. Like we're going to experience failures, 
Like we're going to experience yeah. times when we sin. We're going to experience yeah. times when we come up short of God's calling upon our life, come up short as a man or a husband or, or as a father. And, uh, and yet God redeems that. Yeah. You know, that takes a lot of pressure off of us. And I think, man, so many times, like there's been a lot of anybody in the Christian world. There's obviously a lot of scandals that have come out. Right. Some of the biggest churches are starting. There is a, not to go into any, but just a lot of people that we thought were really good people. And it turns out they were not doing some good things um, in the church. And there's this hope that I was sitting with my dad the one time and there was a really like big leader that a scandal came out. Um, and I said, man, dad, how, how could you, you know, how could this happen? You know, how could this happen? And he just looked at me and he said, this is, this is why I don't put my faith in men, Daniel. Yeah. And he goes, um, realize that none of us are perfect. And I was like, how do you think somebody could come back from this? And it was just like, does he not say I will wash every sin away? And there's a lot of like consequences we might face. Right. But like you right. said, there's this point of like, just because you fail, no matter how great the failure, God can use you yeah. for some greater purpose. Um, and um, the, the, recon, the road to reconciliation and all that different stuff is not easy. But in what kind of Dr. Shigley was just saying for anybody that's listening, may we have hope in that God that we serve. Mm-hmm that he is far greater than our mistakes. He's far greater than the challenges we face, but he, he does amazing things through it all. And he's not just finished with you. Yeah, I think you're right. One of my friends wrote a book that his name's Dr. Tim Kimmel, and he wrote a book in favor of plan B, something like that. And basically the premise of the book was there are going to be, there might be times in our life, and I pray that there isn't to this extent, but there might be times in our life where we really get off the beaten path. What do we do then? You know, what do we do then when we get off the beaten path and, and, and eventually God gets a hold of us, right? He shakes us, wakes us up, whatever. We repent of our sin, whatever that sin might be. And then he, he creates almost like a, a new path or a new road. It may not be the original road, but there's a new path or new road in which he creates for you that says, hey, you are still my dearly loved child. And I'm going to take sometimes, sometimes our worst nightmares or our our greatest sins become, as God redeems it, becomes um, our greatest points of ministry. God uses that. Which is crazy. So, so crazy. But that's, that's the God we serve. It's like it's um, him. Moses being afraid of leadership. God's like, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'm going to, you're going to do something for me anyways. Yeah. Dude. You know, I feel like, like Gideon hiding. And yeah. God's like, nope, you're going to lead my army. You're going to be a judge. Or let's see. Yeah, and how many times does he use the least yeah. of these? Every almost every right. Time. <laughs> yeah. And and some sometimes in the areas in which we feel most comfortable or confident are the areas in which he uses the least. Mm-hmm. But the areas in which we feel insecure about, um, he you know, he refines, he enables, 
we we desperately need him. Like we recognize we desperately need Moses recognized I desperately need you. I can't speak. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gideon's like, are you kidding me? I'm the from the you know, the least nation and the least tribe and the least family and the least clan and the least of the of my family. God says, You need me, don't you? Uh, yeah. And then God says, Ah, oh, okay. That's now, the only way now, it's gonna work. Now watch. Now watch what I do. But I'm gonna do it with you. Yeah. And sometimes I wish it was like a old Testament style when it's like, you know, you're sitting there and God's like, Hey, yeah. Hey, you look God, you know, and don't, and don't be surprised about who God uses. I think of like, man, this is having me laughing the other day when you read the passage where Jesus comes back to Nazareth and he's like, Jesus, the carpenter son, <laughs> the carpenter son, <laughs> No, like he grew up here. What are you oh, talking I about? Sure that is like a small little town. They're like, you crazy? Too crazy. Man. We all know that guy. Like Goodness. we all saw him grow up. Like, right. We saw him skin his knees up on the, on the road and cry yeah. and run for his mom. And, you know, right. we, we saw all the dirty stuff, all the bad stuff, you know, not anything sinful, obviously. Yeah. Otherwise <laughs> he would be perfect. Call that. But like, <laughs> get like the human stuff, like, like the weakness, you know, mm-hmm. of being a child and having a poopy diaper and like loincloth. Yeah. Poopy loincloth. <laughs> but even like, think about it. Even Nathaniel, when he's being recruited by Philip, he says, he, you know, he says, Hey Jesus from, you know, Nazareth, anything good, come out, of anything good come out of Nazareth. Like, <laughs> come on. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. You, you, you know, Griff, you, you mentioned you mentioned Gideon, right? Yeah. And part of what Gideon did in this road of following God, he did he used a fleece, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we talk about that in Christianity today, the idea of fleeces, you know, this idea of that you put out like some conditions to God. <laughs> hey, God, speak to you. May not you may not be writing on the wall with your hand. But speak to me through mm. some type of a fleece. Yeah. We're going to throw out there. And we isn't that funny how we do that, right? <laughs> Just thought of something ridiculous. I don't know. It was like, you're, like imagine you're sitting there in front of like a window. You're starting. God, if you want me to do this, make a bird land on that tree branch out there <laughs> right. right now, and right. like a bird lands. That was a coincidence. That was that. You know. Yeah. Oh my god. That's funny. I, now that I'm like, I never really questioned that before the fleece thing, but it's like, yeah, there's, you know, you're going to be due on something in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's like a fun, really funny way to. And the next morning, no do. Yeah. So we're, we'll, like, we're going to do the opposite. Like, okay. Just to make sure this is you. Okay. Let's make sure that's not a coincidence. Yeah. Yep. That's so funny. So, and I think God does bring about things in our life at times where you go, this is not a coincidence. Yeah. Like he is orchestrating <sighs> events that are outside of our control. And he's like, wow, I need to follow what he's doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if um if you were looking at all that you just said and everything that you have done and everything you have experienced for like 35 years um go back in time um what would be your biggest advice to yourself when you were first getting into it Mhm it's a great question. This idea of, you know, if I could speak into my 22 year old self. Yeah. Right. You like ministering to college students. Yeah. How would you, yeah. you know, what would you say to you college yeah. student? What would I say to myself? 
I probably would say some of the things that we've mentioned already, this idea of, you know, don't hold on to things too tightly. It's a, it's a journey, you know, it's a, it ministry is a marathon. You know, I think when we're young, we think that we got to make this big splash somewhere, wherever we land. Mm. We got to make this big splash and we've got to, you know, what, whatever that means, you know, is it numbers? Is it salvations? Is it baptisms? Is it, you know, we, th- we think of some type of numerical thing to validate success. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'd say d- don't get sucked into those games um, to validate your success. Mm. Um, you know, instead uh, work on like loving people really well, loving Jesus really well and walk deeply with people in terms of like discipleship, mm-hmm. you know, like God, God has called us to what? Go make disciples. disciples. He's called us to go make disciples. And yes, salvation's a part of that process, but can we, can we focus on not what the Sunday morning attendance was or the youth group attendance on a Wednesday night, Preach. but can we instead like, can we love Jesus really well, love others really well, and go deeply in life with people and disciple them? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, that would, that would have been really helpful. It would have like taken a lot of that pressure of yeah. what we, how we define success. Oh man. Yeah. That's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. It's like, cause you're right. This is go to make disciples, not converts. I don't know. I, I just get aggravated with the notion of basing your success in spiritual, non-physical matters mm-hmm. off of physical appearances of like how many bodies you've got in the building, which I understand from an administrative standpoint that that's important and it's viable to keep a organization going. But man, like it's not fast. Like mm-hmm. it takes time to actually make disciples like the disciples were with Jesus for three whole years and still didn't get it. Yep. They were with yep. Jesus. Think how long it's going to take some people to get it with us. Yeah. Like we are going to screw up yeah. so many times and try to explain this stuff. And they, the disciples were with Jesus and it took them three years and they still didn't get it yeah. until Pentecost. And they're like, and he's the master teacher, right? Yes. I mean, he's like with authority. Right. None yeah. of us are going to speak <laughs> yeah. with greater authority or influence of the Holy Spirit than no. what Jesus yeah. did. They were all just like, oh, I wonder what that means. And they're still looking at, you know, probably at the near the end, we're still looking for a different Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a political military leader or something to get them out of this slavery to Rome. And, and they, you know, they would have, they would have missed it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and thankfully they were in tune enough. And obviously, when you see him raised from the dead, that kind of helps. Too. Yeah, it helps. Yeah, <laughs> it does help. Oh, wow. Whoa, okay. Whoa. Right. That's what nice. he meant. That's nice. what he meant. That's what he meant. Nice. <laughs> I would destroy nice. the temple and rise again in three days. You know, build it again. All the I'll Pharisees he was talking to, like, huh? He wasn't lying. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. I was reading uh, Matthew six the other day, and um, just where it says that pretty much when you only do things in public. And then people like praise you for it or like, oh, that's so amazing. You have received your reward. Mm -hmm. That's all you're going to get, buddy. That's all you're going to get. And I I encourage anybody that's listening, you know, whenever we, if you want to go into ministry 
And right now, the biggest things that are pressing you are how people are going to raise you up and how people are going to praise you and how people are going to tell you that you're successful. I've seen times where, like, in different, like, um, modes of the church that there's been rewards handed out for people that have the highest attendance and all that stuff, you received your reward. Yeah. But if you're patient and you wait and you live truly, that I think what you're describing is this truly humble and meek life as a shepherd, mm-hmm. not a king, not a CEO, but a life as a shepherd, as a shepherd. In, in the pastoral ministry, um, you will reap your reward one day, no matter how big your ministry is, but you'll reap it in an eternal sense. Um, and that will be the highest reward. And all those times that we spend worrying and putting like those above in the pedestal. Um, it's also in that sermon of the Mount. Why do you worry? Mm-hmm. Why? I will provide. Um, and so, but you know, I think, I think even to, I mean, we, we, I mean, the church does this too. We, mm-hmm. we have our own Christian celebrities, right. And, and think about who is asked to speak at a conference or event or, you know, worship band or whatever. And, you know, we, we, we have our arguments about, you know, what, 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 what worship band do you like the most or <laughs> be what speaker is your favorite speaker? And, and man, praise God for some of that stuff. But, you know, people are invited to speak at an event and typically it's, it's not because they've been at the same church for 50 years and they've loved on these 200 people, right? Yeah. We have our own Christian celebrities and we don't need to mention any names of those yeah. Christian celebrities, but, but we do that. Like we're the ones that do that. Yep. We put on an event and we say, hey, who can we get? Who would be a name recognition that would draw people into this conference or this event or this camp or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. And people would go, oh man, so this is their lineup. So and 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 so. And it's typically people who, you know, have a really large church or they've sold a lot of albums or, you know, everybody listens to their worship music or whatever the case might be. We are guilty of doing some of that. And, you know, for, for me too, and I think this is probably if I look back my 22 year old self and that's what I would say is because, you know, my, um, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. My greatest strength on strengths finder is achiever. And so it is a blessing and a curse. So there's inside of my DNA of who I am, I feel like for me to be successful, I have to produce. And I would say, take that off of your shoulders. Eddie, you are my child, a child of God. And don't feel like your self-worth is wrapped up into this production that we're only loved if we win. We're only loved if we produce. We're only loved if we have a certain number of people that come to our events. We're only loved if we meet our target goals. So what does that mean when we don't meet our target goals? What does that mean when we lose and we don't win? What does that mean when um, you see stagnation uh, and you don't see growth? In your ministry, does that mean you're worthless? Does that mean you're not a child of God? Does that not? Does that mean 
your failure. Mm. And so I, I think part of it would be let's let's redefine success. Let's redefine what we think is the most important thing to do as a pastor. Yeah. And I, you know, Dan, you said I, the word shepherd. I mean, I, I love the word shepherd as a, as a pastor. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the foundation of a description of what a pastor at least used to be. Yeah. Is that shepherd. And, you know, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And to think about, for defining success in the life of Christ that he poured into 12 people. Yeah. Like we, humanly speaking, we'd say that's a failure, right? You poured into 12 people and then you died. Mm-hmm. Nice rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not a very good rebellion, is it? No. Yeah. You know, Goodness. and, uh, and can we go deeply <clears throat> with a group of people? Yeah. And see Jesus do incredible life transformation. And through that, a community has changed. Yeah. A city has changed. Right? Yeah. The the the, the trickle-down effects if every church is doing that. It's exponential growth. Yeah, what does that mean? Wow. I think when you were speaking, I thought of this scene in there's a new movie out called Dune. Yeah. Um and Read the book, it's better. <laughs> and I'll get the uh, book, Griff. Paul. It's really good. Paul is the audiobook there, brother. I think it's like a also very good. Timothy Chalamet is Paul, and he's looking at his dad, and his dad's pretty much telling him, like, you're about to be the yes. leader. Yes. And he's like, Man, what if I don't want to do it? What if I can't do it? Um, and the father pretty much says that leadership chooses you. You don't choose leadership. But then he goes, even if you didn't want to do it. You would still be what you were always meant to be to me, my, my son. son. And I think so many times. It's a powerful part of the movie. Looking at God, we're like, man, what if I fail at this God? You know, you've chosen me to do these amazing things and do these awesome things. But what if I'm, uh, what if I'm scared? What if, what if I fail? I'm, uh, is, even if you fail, even if you're scared at times, you'll still be. I just need you to be my, my son, son or my daughter. That's all I need you to be. Yeah. And it's so powerful. And to end, me and Griffin normally like to, whoever our guest is, we like to give them some affirmations um, before leaving. And then we will ask you a way that we can pray for you. Um, and my affirmation for you, Doc Shakes, is, oh, man. There's too, too many times this last four years. So fun fact, um, freshman Dan came into his FYE, which is a first-year experience class. You show up a week early. Uh, Doc Shiggs was my FYE teacher for New Testament survey. Um, and when I say I loved going that class, sometimes 15 minutes late, every, <laughs> every day, every time I got to have that class, I loved it so much. Um, and you were my mentor for those first two years. Um, we would meet bi-weekly and, oh man, just hearing your story and all that you do, the biggest affirmation I want to tell you is that you are such a good shepherd for the sheep that the Lord has given you. And so many things you said were so formational for me that year. The things that the Lord spoke through you, 
there was times in that New Testament class where I just put my pencil down and I just, I didn't feel like I was in a class. I felt like, I felt like I was just being like guided and your passion for ministry, what you do. And I don't think a lot of people see a lot of the stuff you do behind the scenes, but you represent what it means to be a pastor in so many beautiful ways. And your story is this evidence of some guy that holds things loosely, um, but you hold on to what the Lord has given you in the fruits of the spirit, what he has given you in your character. That's what you hold on to. And I'd say this is that when you leave this life, whenever that may be, I know on that day I'll sit there and I'll look at whoever I was around and be like, I know where that guy's treasure was and he's going to it right now. Thanks, Dan. That means a lot. Appreciate that. If uh, I don't remember, I know I had New Testament with you freshman year. Don't know if we met at freshman registration or not, <laughs> but I remember that New Testament class because um, it felt like you were pastoring and not teaching, kind of just echoing what Dan said. But like, I don't think I would be continuing on with um, not only Kern, but like ministry in general if I didn't know you, because there were so many times I wanted to stop. Um, and you helped me navigate some of those heavy anxieties that I had um, early on, freshman, sophomore year. I did a lot of maturing. Um, and I don't think I would have done it if I didn't know you, if you didn't care deeply for me. Um, that's something I haven't experienced from a lot of people someone who actually cares enough to uh, stop what they're doing and just listen to me for 10 minutes. Um, often that helps more than when you're freaking people out. People know when I'm just freaking out and I have to say something. Um, but like, yeah, with without you, I mean, you were never formally my mentor, but you've impacted me in ways you can't understand. Um, like, you know, I don't think you'll change that, but don't change that. Thanks, Griff. Well, that's a powerful part of the episode right there, just to speak a blessing into people's life. That's that's really cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. No problem. Because a, a blessing back would be, it's really cool <laughs> to see, you know, the growth from the freshman year to now uh, in the, in your two lives. And, and that's the beauty of when you think about Scripture that talks about, like, God isn't finished with us yet, and praise the Lord, he's not. Like there's more growth, there's more maturing, there's more of, of a, um, a a pruning that's done, a, a maturing that's done, a ripening that's done. And and I've seen that exponentially in both of your lives. And I, I one of the things that we get to do here, which is super, super cool, at least I enjoy it, is not only the, you know, the mentoring process, the formation process while you're here at college, but then to watch God use you as you graduate and you go into different ministry uh, contexts. In a sense, we get to stand on the sidelines and just applaud and cheer you on. And that's that's super cool. So thanks, guys. So we just like, before we close, close, how can we be praying for you here? With what, whatever's going on, whether it's super serious or... You don't know something's going on this weekend. 
whatever it is, how can we be praying for you? Great question. Um, in this season of life that I'm in, um, as you guys know, uh, I wear different hats at the university. And it's not just juggling those hats. It is, uh, can I can I wear those hats and wear them well? Like, mm-hmm. can, can, I, can I lead well uh, in the midst of, oh, it's, it's, it's time to exchange roles or it's time to put on a different hat. It's, it's time to, and yet be the same person, right? Yeah. Be the same person. And so that, that I, I believe I'm called, part of my mission, I believe is to um, mentor my family, mentor the next generation of pastors and strangely then mentor the tennis teams. Yeah. Right. That has to be the consistent thread. Yeah. You know what I mean? This idea of mentoring or formation, spiritual formation, that has to be the, the the consistent thread. And and yet sometimes they they cross over, which mm-hmm. is fine. And sometimes they're completely separate. And then how do you manage that? How do you manage it from a time perspective? How do you manage it um, you know, when you have uh when you le- try to lead or oversee uh, large groups of people and how does that uh, kind of, how do you, just from the standpoint of time, how do you manage that time and what's the most important thing to do? Cause you can't do everything. No, nope. can't do everything. So you have to lean into what, are th- what are the things that are most important? Whereas Andy Stanley would do, would say, do only what you can do yeah. and delegate the rest. And so, um, learning to entrust and delegate those around us, like you guys, right? Like Tyler. Hey, Tyler. Um, which is awesome. Yeah. My players, at times my family. Um, but also being very present when I'm wearing the hat. Yeah. Well, we would love to pray for you now. And I'll start, and then Griff, can you pray us out and then go yep. into the closing? Yep. Lord, thank you so much for this time. What a cool moment to have with a a professor, um, a shepherd of ours, and a fr- a friend. I would say, mm-hmm. God, um, I just pray that. As you continue to use Doc Shiggs in the many different ways, Lord, give him the discernment of what he can, of what he can hold on to right now, and maybe give him the discernment of what he maybe needs to let go of and almost pass the torch. Yep. Um, God, give him that discernment of where uh, you need him, or if it's one of those situations where he's got a lot of decision, give him the wisdom um, to make that decision, and may he do it boldly. Um, God, when giving up things or trying to reschedule things. There's so much fear of like, will I organize things the correct way? Will I do things justice? Um, But God, I pray that you give him the spirit of peace, knowing that if you are leading him to do these things, then that means him saying no to something is somebody else being able to say yes. Um, And God, uh, may he just know that you are with him through all these things and that also give him the comfort, Lord, whatever this may be, 
whatever he might have to decide, Lord. Um, and with him, I know he is so passionate about all the things that he is doing, Lord. Um, but I know how much he loves to remain present. So just give him that comfort through what may be hard decisions or things going on. And God, I, uh, I pray for him in his marriage and him as a, um, a father. Um, may you continue to, and a grandfather also, Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, may he just continue to be that figure to so many people around him, but also within his family, Lord. Um, may he continue to really be present in the covenant he's made with his wife. May he continue to be present in, as a father to his children. And Lord, my final prayer uh, for Doc Shakes is from Philippians 1, 3 through 6. Um, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. God, I just want to thank you for Doc Shiggs. Uh, pray that when he looks at his different roles around campus, um, the different duties he has, it would be just as we said, um, there'll be different hats, but they won't be different masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine him being anyone but himself, but uh, I know from experience that even if it doesn't feel like I'm being any different, that it, it seems to be that way to others. Um, so give him the self knowledge to recognize when he's um, moved from the center and uh, give him eyes to see the things that you prioritize um, in ways that line up with his values and with what you value. I also pray that uh, he'd see the people around him that have risen up, um, that he can delegate some of these tasks to, some of these mentoring tasks. Um so that he can pour into uh, his family uh, or whatever it is that um, needs his attention the most, that you would bring people into his life who he can trust uh, to do the job that you've placed in front of them just as you've placed it in front of him. Well, um, thank you for this time together, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. No problem. Thank awesome. you. That, that was, was so much fun. fun. Yeah. All the music you heard today was from the band Caledonia. You can find them at Official Caledonia on Instagram, and you can also find their band camp in the show notes down below. All right. Peace. See you all next week. Woo. Peace out. I'm holding on